Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. Who else feels that? Danny missed his boy band calling. (laughs) He should have been in a boy band, right? He just has it in, it's it's there. We need more of that, Danny. Okay, we're your biggest fans. (laughs) No, that song was so beautiful and genuinely spoke everything that I had in my heart I wanted to share today. So I want to share something a little bit, just more vulnerable with myself. I feel we can always be open with each other. But I was very human this week. I don't know if anyone else had a lot of human situations happen, but I allowed my mind to get the best of me in more than one situation. Even when I have all the tools and I know how to center myself, I still allowed my mind to create all these stories. I allowed my ego to take over um, instead of putting love first. Even when I thought that I was, I allowed my mind and my ego to just tell me all these stories and create this false reality that I'm truly not even living. I don't know if anyone else experienced some human moments this week, uh, but I sure did. So I always feel that centering prayer meditation is like my secret weapon. And it's something that I have in my back pocket. So I know when I'm struggling, what I need to do is sit with myself and open myself up to my greatest teacher, which is myself and the God within me. So when we sit with ourselves today, I want you to let go of the mind. All the time I'm telling you all, release all the thoughts, let go of everything that happened. It's not because it doesn't matter. It's because it gets in the way of what you truly need to receive. The mind can't speak to you the way God speaks to you. But when we're so clouded with the thoughts in the mind or what someone did to us or what we've experienced, we're filling up this space that God wants to enter. And that's what centering prayer is about. So today, all I want you to do is let go. Release the mind for just a little bit, and let's welcome God into our hearts. Can we do that? Yeah. All right, my friends. Let's find ourselves nice, seated, tall spine. And I want you to close your eyes just so that we don't have any distractions, so that we can find ourselves deep within. And let's begin by taking a deep breath. We're going to slowly fill up our bellies, allowing that breath to rise, and then gently exhaling, 
releasing the air. Let's ask God now to remove the weight that we're carrying, to release all the heaviness, the burdens. Ask God now for freedom. Allow every breath to open you up. And as you exhale, fall into his arms, fall into his embrace. Ask God to remove you from the mind and center you in your heart. Slowly bringing our awareness within, opening ourselves up, honoring our truest self, allow yourself to be still in this moment, allowing the thoughts to be like waves, flowing in and out. no longer needing to attach, to hold on to. Just allowing yourself to be still and free, content in this moment. With every breath that you take, Allow yourself to go that much deeper. Allow yourself to feel all of God's love. Forgive yourself for all the things you have done, all that you experienced. Give yourself the same grace that God gives you. This is your time to release, to let go. God can make anything new. Once you decide to let go of what you're holding on so tightly to, to the beliefs that we have, to the worries and frustrations. You can allow God to create peace in your world through even the darkest of times. You can allow God to be your light Remind yourself that you are never alone. That as you walk through this journey, you are always protected, highly favored, and always loved.
when we least understand why things are happening, when we least understand ourselves, allow God to speak to you, to speak through you. Take another deep breath, slowly filling up that belly, allowing the breath to rise, shoulders starting to go back, and then gently exhale, release all that does not serve you. Enjoy the stillness, my friends. Remind yourself that you are whole, you are worthy, and you are loved. As we slowly start to bring our awareness back in, I want you to take one more moment to truly release. Allow yourself to surrender all that you believe, all that you're holding on to. Release it all and become an open vessel. See through God's eyes. Speak with God in your heart. Embrace this life for the miracle that it truly is and for the blessing that you are. When you're ready, my friends, take another deep breath. Then gently blink your eyes open. My friends, may peace and love always be with you. Amen and so much love. All right. Thank you, Gapster. Good morning, everybody. Good to see your beautiful faces. So happy that we can be here again another Sunday celebrating, praying, meditating, and being, just being. This is a place that I hope you can come and feel comfortable enough to simply be, not to have to put on a facade or an image like we have to do so often in other environments that we find ourselves in, but here we can truly enter into this rest of the soul and be ourselves and be loved as we are. That's the gift that we get to offer to one another here in this community. And so I thought it would be great for us today to take some time to talk about what it looks like to reimagine church. Because in many ways, that's what we're doing here at Heartway. Reimagining, re-envisioning, revolutionizing the notion of church. And for a while now, I've wrestled with whether the word church is an accurate descriptor of what it is that we're doing here. And the reason why is not because 
our love and our passion for Jesus has waned. If anything, it's grown stronger and stronger over the years, and that is and always has been the foundation of our community. But the reason why I wrestle with whether that word is an accurate description of what we're doing is because that word comes with so much baggage. And when people hear the word church, what they hear can be the total and complete opposite of what it is that we are trying to express as we gather together. And so sometimes I wonder, is it worth it to keep that label around and to have to always explain to everybody how we're different and how we're unique or to be pinned down and labeled and put into a box by other people who see that we are a church and now they put on us and project onto us everything it is that they think church is on the basis of their prior experiences. Is it worth it? Surprisingly, when I have this conversation with my wife, and really it is surprisingly, she's like, no, we're actually what church is all about. We got to keep the name church and we got to do it. And aside from that, like there's somebody on Instagram who already has Heartway. We're Heartway Church on Instagram. This guy has had an inactive account for like five years. I report him every day. I've tried to video call him. I finally zoomed into his picture and it's like an Asian guy. I don't know what he is or where he, what he's about. But he has Heartway, so we're stuck with Heartway Church anyways for now. But I do like the idea of reimagining church and really owning this name and owning this label because what we are doing when we come together here at Heartway is really what church was always meant to be. I was having dinner with some of our folks here from Heartway earlier this week, and they were talking about their experiences going through a lot of church hurt and experiencing a lot of pain and a lot of the abuse that they uh, were exposed to and all of the extremes that they've seen in different church environments and how it's wounded them and the trauma that they carry as a result of that. And then we started reminiscing about Heartway and talking about how wonderful it is that we have a safe space like Heartway to come so that we can continue our spiritual journey and not have to throw everything away and we still have a way to connect. And there was one person who said, all of the love, all of the acceptance still doesn't feel real yet. The genuineness of this community still doesn't feel 100% real yet. It's like we're, we're looking for something to be off. Something has to be off here. Can this really be this good, this pure, this beautiful? And something that I had mentioned in that conversation, and I wasn't crying then, but inside of my heart, it was like a little tear, you know, because really, and I said, the reason why you can trust that this is a safe space is because everything you described about your journey, that's my journey. That's our journey. I know what it's like to be wounded by church. I know what it's like to leave behind a belief system that at one point was my entire reality. And now that gets shaken up to the very core of its foundations. And I feel like I am lost in this world. I know what it's like to, to uh, experience the, the aftermath of religious fundamentalism and the effects that that can have on you as a human being, how that affects you to your core. And that's why you can trust that this is a safe space because it's my story. Like I literally... 
with my wife, both of us, we, we created this community as a safe space for ourselves. Because if we didn't have our way, I don't know where we would be or what we would be doing. I can tell you it probably wouldn't be going to church on a Sunday morning. I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> you know? So we created this. And here we are. And it's been this beautiful, wonderful thing. Now, here's the thing about it. Community, and you have to understand this, community is always going to be messy. Even at a place like Hartway, even at a place like Hartway, community is always going to be messy. Why? Because we're human beings. We all have our triggers. We all have wounds that we carry. We all have baggage that we bring to the table. And there are certain things that people may say and do that can rub you the wrong way. Maybe we won't always make decisions that you feel you are in line with. Maybe some days we'll go in a direction that you think we shouldn't be going in. Community is going to be messy. The difference is when you can trust the heart and the intention and the direction of the community at large, you can stick with it and you can endure even when you may have certain issues or difficulties or challenges with particular individuals. At least that's my hope, that you would be able to recognize that what we're doing is so much bigger than any one particular person. And if we can commit together to saying, you know what, we're, we're a group of imperfect people, and we don't, we don't have all of the answers, and people aren't always going to rub us the right way. Sometimes they're going to rub us the wrong way. And sometimes things aren't going to go the way that we want them to go. But we, we can trust the heart, the intention, the direction of this community. If we're able to do that, I really think God can, can use this community to bring about so much change and so much transformation in people's lives. I've already seen it in my own life. I keep hearing it from so many of you who constantly tell me how Heartway has done miracles in your life. It really is a beautiful thing. Recently, there was a poll that came out that said that church attendance in America is at the lowest that it's ever been in the last 70 years since they started counting those numbers. So they started doing this research of church attendance in America in the 1930s. And from the 1930s to the 1990s, church attendance in America was at like 70%. In the year 2000, that number began to plummet little by little to the point where now, 21 years later, that statistic went from 70% of Americans in a church every Sunday to under 50%. So now it's like at 47% of adults are at a church on Sunday morning regularly and consider themselves to be a part of a church community. What is it that's driving this drastic change and dip in numbers? Well, it's millennials and it's Generation Z. It's these younger folks who have been through it and who have experienced a whole lot of stuff in church and who are tired of all of the things that have been shoved down their throat. And right now, the fastest growing religious affiliation in America is no religious affiliation. And a lot of millennials, a lot of people who are under the age of 40 are people who are increasingly saying, I'd rather not have a religious affiliation because when I look at religion, all I see is a mess. Interestingly enough, many of these people 
who are leaving the church in droves aren't leaving behind spirituality. And they're not leaving behind God. So there are an increasing number of people within this demographic who are referring to themselves as being spiritual but not religious. Spiritual but not religious. And so people have genuine concerns with church. I made a little list of what some of these are on the basis of interactions I've had, things I've read, this, that, or the other. A lot of people have concerns with the fact that church can seem very authoritarian. Leadership that abuses its power, demands loyalty, punishes disloyalty. A lot of times, I've even been a part of religious communities where leaders are uh, a little too involved in people's lives and business. Another issue people have, when you come to church, it's just filled with a lot of judgmental people. How many of us have had those experiences before? And it's crazy, because you would think church is the one place that you can come and feel safe, and yet for most people, it's the opposite. In some places, if you're wearing something that you're not supposed to wear, or you got tattoos, or your hair's a certain color, or you look a certain way, or you believe a certain way, now all of a sudden, or if you made a mistake, Oh my God, did you hear so-and-so got a divorce? Oh my God, did you hear about this? All of these things. And church, unfortunately, can become very moralistic. For a lot of people, religion just means moralism. Black and white thinking. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And then we enforce our own sense of right and wrong on other people, not recognizing that what may be right for one in their context may be wrong for another in theirs. And what may be wrong for someone in that context may be right for another in theirs. It's not as black as white as we would want to make it seem, but oftentimes when we live in this black and white world, that's an easy way for us to decide who is in and who is out, which leads to the next concern people have is that church can feel very tribal, very exclusive. There are a lot of expressions of Christianity that make it seem as if it's Christianity against the rest of the world. It's Christianity against all other religious systems. Another concern that people have is that church can feel very dogmatic. And along this line, people have issues with the fact that it seems like there's no room for me to think for myself. You tell me what I need to believe, and I have to simply accept it. And if I start to ask questions, right, if I start to think outside of the box, now we're in trouble. You can't read this book. You can't listen to this preacher. There are communities like this. Another concern people have is that church and Christianity, many iterations of it, are anti-science. Right? So whatever science tells us about the universe and, and its workings, well, if it contradicts what we believe to be true or how we read the scriptures, then we've got to toss that out. Instead of rethinking what it is that we are holding to be true. Another concern people have is that church can seem to be very shallow. There's this one pastor who passed away now by the name of Eugene Peterson. I oftentimes quote his translation of the Bible called the Message Translation. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. And he has this one quote, I don't want to butcher it, but he says, the role of pastor has been taken over by Religious entrepreneurs with business plans. Something along those lines. And if, and if 
you, you've been around church world for a while, you, you, you know that that can be a thing. You know, and there's a shallowness to the way that church is done because it's all about surface level stuff, surface level metrics. How many people come? How many people don't come? How big are we getting? How fast are we expanding? It's very shallow. Another concern people have is that church can be very overly politicized. And this isn't just something that conservatives do. This is also something that liberals do as well. Church can be very overly politicized. Now, there is no way to not be political. Our faith has political implications. Politics is simply about the way that we arrange ourselves as a society and how we do community together. The issue is when things become partisan and when now uh, churches have a specific social agenda to push. And so oftentimes people have been disillusioned by the religious right. Others now are being just as disillusioned by the uprising of the religious left. And there doesn't seem to be a focus and an emphasis on the interior life of the soul anymore. It's simply about our agenda. Are you speaking our language? Do you see it the way that we see it? Are you against what we are against? And if you are not, then you are not welcome here. <laughs> this is an issue. Another problem people have with church, homophobic. It's homophobic. And this is a really difficult one because you walk into your typical evangelical church, come as you are. Everyone is accepted. We welcome you. But if you're gay, if you're a lesbian, if you're bi or whatever your situation is there, and you want to serve or you want to get baptized or you want to lead in any capacity, not an, uh, eh, let's get coffee and talk about it. You know? We have people like that here in this church. I've had conversations with them. Danny, I went from one church to another. And we thought we would be accepted there. And we found out very quickly that we're not. But they make it seem like everyone's welcome and we love you. But then when you get down to the nitty gritty details, oh, you don't accept me as, you think that there's something fundamentally wrong with me, right? And now this is a, this is a tricky subject for a lot of religious people because we have our religious texts. And our religious texts are very explicit. And this is what they say. And again, when there's an unwillingness to rethink in light of experience, and we think we have to remain stuck with what has always been said and how it's always been done, we run into problems. Another issue is church seems to be very patriarchal. So it's only men who are in charge. It's only men who lead. In fact, in the seminary school where I got my Master of Divinity, they teach you there that women are not allowed to take on the role of pastor, that wives must submit to their husbands. And there are very specific gender roles that you have to follow. If I read this list to you and you've never experienced this, wow, you're lucky. And if Heartway is your only church experience that you've ever had and you're like, this, is, this goes on? This sounds like a cult. This goes on. This, this happens. And so I'm glad that I, I hope this seems foreign to some of you who are only used to Heartway. But this is the norm for a lot of people in the religious world, in the church world. So there is a desperate need for new communities of faith that are not trapped and confined by religiosity. 
places of healing, places of restoration, places of acceptance, places of love, and who mean what they say, who actually live it. And so what does that look like for us in practice? That's all I want to talk about with you today. What does is, what is church reimagine look for us specifically here at Heartway? Number one is this. We are a church that is radically inclusive. And I wish I didn't have to even say the word radical, but it is radical compared to other communities of faith. But we are a church that is radically inclusive, which means there are no in-groups and out-groups here. Everybody belongs. We don't look out at the world and divide it in terms of the saved and the unsaved, the believers and the unbelievers, the good and the bad. No, everybody is in. Grace is the great equalizer. It levels the playing field. All of us loved by God. All of us children of God. And regardless of what your political affiliation is or your race or your sexual orientation or your gender or your religious background, you are welcome here and you are considered to be a part of the family. We are all God's family. And that is one of the deepest convictions that we have that drives the way that we do church and the way that we do ministry. See, we love to, as human beings, differentiate among ourselves. We love to make distinctions amongst ourselves. That's why sometimes we pursue wealth so that we can be in this class and we're different from those in that class. This is why oftentimes we dress the way that we do so that I can be different and distinct. Right? I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. Who sings that song? <laughs> Two Chains. <laughs> Danny Prada remix. You ain't different, man. No, you ain't different. You're not. We're all human. <laughs> okay? We all share one common humanity. And we like to make the distinctions, and that's fine. We honor and we value the distinctions. But fundamentally, at your core, at your essence, we all share one common humanity which is why the scriptures say there is one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. So there's one God. There's one universe. There's one earth. There's one humanity. And it's all connected. God gives birth to the universe. The universe gives birth to our planet. And our planet gives birth to our humanity. And all of it is connected by its source. All of it is connected by its source. One common source of which we are all the expression. And so out of one, many, and out of many, one. So reality appears to us to be many things, but it is really one thing. It is one thing. It's all God showing up in a bunch of different forms and disguises. There is one intelligence at work in and through all things. And the New Testament uses the language of logos or the word, this one intelligence that sustains and guides and holds together all things in existence. In fact, the word universe literally means one song. So if something exists, it's because God has sung it into existence. So how could we ever exclude what God has already included from eternity past? This is why the scriptures say you have been chosen in Christ from the foundations of the world. You belong by virtue of your existence. 
If you are here, you are in. You are chosen. And you are included in this family. So that's number one. Number two for us is this. We are open to truth wherever it may be found. This is a big one. We are open to truth wherever it may be found, which means this. We do not claim to be the ultimate authority in matters of knowledge. We do not claim to have all the knowledge. We do not claim to be right and everybody else is wrong. We do not claim to be the arbiters of truth. And so we love Christianity, but we don't box God into it. We love the scriptures, but we don't limit truth to its pages. See, because every theology, every philosophy arises out of a particular context. Everything you could ever speak and utter and think about God, ultimate reality, is shaped by the culture, the background, and the vantage point that you grew up with. It's impossible to say anything about God that is not shaped by your cultural context. And every cultural context is inherently limited. God is limitless. And so we cannot limit God by our words and our concepts. God is the infinite. So how can the infinite ever be captured by finite words and concepts? All of our words are metaphors. They're symbols that are pointing to a particular way of experiencing life, a certain way of experiencing reality that is inexpressible. It's wordless. In the New Testament, Paul calls it a peace that surpasses all understanding. If you've experienced this peace that surpasses all understanding, try and verbalize this. Try and express this. You, anything that you say, anything that you try to express about it is going to fall short. You can only experience this for yourself. It is an experience of life that is inexpressible. It is wordless. So if you want to attain the vision of God, what the church for a while has called the beatific vision, if you want to see God in everything and everything in God, you have to move beyond words. You have to move beyond concepts. And you have to find that place of stillness within yourself. Stillness simply means not being moved by the movements of the mind. And your mind is like a, a, a pendulum that's constantly swinging left and right, left and right, left and right, positive and negative, good and bad, right and wrong, interpreting it like this, interpreting it like that. Stillness is center. You understand center. The pendulum swings, but there's no identification there. You remain centered. I love this quote by a rabbi by the name of uh, Rami Shapiro. Listen to what he says. To me, religions are like languages. No language is true or false. All languages are of human origin. Each language reflects and shapes the civilization that speaks it. There are things you can say in one language that you cannot say or say as well in another. And the more languages that you learn, the more nuanced your understanding of life becomes. Judaism is my mother tongue, yet in matters of the spirit, I strive to be multilingual. In the end, however, the deepest language of the soul is silence. Isn't that beautiful? The way I see it, 
truth is one. And every religious tradition, every theological and philosophical system, every academic discipline is simply approaching that truth and pointing to that truth from a different angle, using different vocabulary to touch on that which is beyond all vocabulary. And so for us, it's not a matter of who said it. It's simply a matter of, is it true? Maybe an atheist says it. But if what they're saying is true, it's true. And if it's true, it comes from the Holy Spirit because truth is one. And I can bore you with examples from the scriptures where the scripture writers actually borrow wisdom from other traditions outside of their own, from pagan philosophers and poets and other texts of different uh, cultures or whatnot. But the point is, truth is truth and truth is one. And there's a, a mystic in the Christian t tradition by the name of Meister Eckhart. He said, uh, he said, theologians may quarrel, but the mystics of the world all speak the same language. It's the language of love. It's the language of the heart. Theologians will quarrel over the words. What does this mean? How do you interpret this verse? And that's fun to do. But the mystics of the world, people who are, who are intoxicated by God, and that's what I'm interested in. I want to be possessed by God so that all I see is God and all I know is God. And to be so in love with God that the, the, the distance between me and God becomes nothing so that you don't even know where God starts or where I start. That's the kind of spirituality that I'm interested in, you understand? Where there's no boundaries. There's no more separation. It's that language of love that the mystics of every tradition speak. And there are lovers of God outside of our fold. There are lovers of God outside of our fold. And so some people speak of something called perennial wisdom, which is wisdom that is reoccurring in all of the, uh, of the world's greatest religious traditions. And this, this same language that Meister Eckhart was talking about, this perennial wisdom that is recurring, is oftentimes summarized in many ways. The way I like to summarize it is everything is one. And you will find that at the core, at the core, at the core of every religious tradition. Some people only remain on the surface of their tradition, arguing about the way they express this truth. Other people move into the depths and they simply live out this truth, that everything is one. There is one divine reality. All of us as human beings are capable of becoming aware of this divine reality within us. And the goal and purpose of all human existence is to live in union with the divine and to live our lives in love and service to others. Very simple message. And I believe that's the heart of Jesus' message. So here's the next one. And this one's really important. We are a church with no teachers, only students. What I'm trying to convey here is there is no hierarchy here. For a while, I didn't even like to stand on the stage and the camera people would get mad at me. You remember that? When we first started Harway, I'm like, do I have to? I don't like that. I just like to be here with everybody. Because nobody who, who speaks from this stage or who leads in any capacity in this church is above anybody else or more connected to God than anybody else. This is just my gift. That's it. This is just my gift. But you have your gifts and you shine divinity in your own way. And so at Harway, you are your own teacher. 
You are your own teacher. All of the truth and the wisdom that I point to, you already carry within yourself. It's simply a matter of listening to your heart. Your heart is your only teacher. And the love of the heart will never lead you astray. And so you can learn so much from what it is that I communicate. But I don't communicate to you as an expert. You understand? Every message that is given is a message that is given from one student to another student. I am a student of life, as are you. As are you. And we learn from each other. We glean from each other. No one above anybody else. And th th these are not just semantics. I'm not just saying this. I genuinely mean this. It's really important to understand that truth cannot be given to you from the outside. No teacher, no professor, no guru, no instructor, no priest can give truth to you. The only way you can discover truth is by discovering it for yourself within yourself. That's it. I can point you to it, but you have to come to the realization of it for yourself. Otherwise, these are just words. We're just exchanging information. I'm just putting concepts into your head. This is about an experience of life. It always goes back to experience, experience, experience. And that leads me to, to the last the last statement that I think defines who we are as a church and how we are reimagining church, and that's this. We are a church centered in love. Look at what the scriptures say in 1 John. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know God if you don't love. I was reading uh, a book the other day. It had this wonderful phrase in it. The person said, and this was a book written centuries ago. The person said, you can memorize all the scriptures. You can recite all of the scriptures. But the only way you will be established is when you forget it all. In other words, love is the way to God. Knowledge will not take you there. Information will not take you there. Degrees will not take you there. Church will not take you there. Only love will. Which is why the New Testament says the only thing that counts in the book of Galatians, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's it. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And that love then expresses itself through service, generosity, compassion, and justice for all and towards all. And so that is our message. Our message here is so simple. Our message is this. Only love can set you free. So when you find this love within yourself, let it expand as far out as it can possibly go. Don't put any limitations on this love. As risky as it may seem, don't put any limitations on this love. Lose yourself in love. And if love burns up your theology, let it burn. 
If love burns up your politics, let it burn. If love burns up your ideology and your self-image, let it burn because there's nothing more pure, more beautiful, more right, more true, and more good in this world than love. And that's it. That's it. It is our beginning and it is our end. And of course, we see what this love looks like in and through the life of Jesus. And that's why we follow Jesus. Because Jesus said, the greatest commandment is love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do this, you have fulfilled all of the scriptures. Everything points to this. This is the one truth, the summit of truth. Above all other truths, it is love. It's always fascinating to me that Jesus never wrote anything down. You don't actually have the words of Jesus that he himself wrote down for you. You have the stories that his disciples told about him and compiled together into these biographies. And they're each different, and they each give us a different aspect of Jesus' life and ministry. But Jesus did not write down any words. And I have this theory that may be wrong, but I think that the reason why is because Jesus knew how easy it is to get confused and lost in the words. Jesus was not trying to pass along uh, some sort of a teaching or a concept. Jesus was trying to pass along a way of life. Faith that expresses itself in and through love. And so I want to finish with this one last quote from a wonderful philosopher. Next one. Dostoevsky. He says this, Love all God's creation, both the whole and every grain of sand, Love every leaf, every ray of light. Love the animals, love the plants, love everything. If you love everything, you will perceive the mystery of God in all things. And once you perceive this, you will begin to comprehend it better every single day. And you will come at last to love the whole world with an all-embracing and universal love. That is what Heartway is all about. And that is what we want to invite you into. It is a process. It is a journey. But it's like I say, you are love at your core and it hurts to pretend that you're not. And this week you will find yourself pretending a lot like love is not what you are. And it'll hurt. It'll hurt. Holding the grudge, being bitter, setting yourself up against others. It will hurt because it is not true to your nature. So if you want to end that suffering, lose yourself in the love of God. Lose yourself in the love of humanity. Lose yourself in the love of all things. And then you will perceive God in everything. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for this place called Heartway. This is a safe space for us to come and reimagine what it can look like to do church together. God, we're grateful for the generations of the past, but we need to be faithful to what you are calling us here and now in this moment, in this time, in this generation. And we're not simply going to repeat what has been said or regurgitate what we have been told. 
we are going to be true to ourselves here and now, true to what you are calling us to here and now. And so God, my prayer for everybody who listens is that they would know that in this place they belong. And in this place they can have a connection with you and with Christ, regardless of what their background with religion and spirituality and church may be. For those who are recovering from fundamentalism and religious trauma, may they, may they come to know that this is a place where they can ground themselves and discover themselves anew in you without any of that extra baggage. And so God, you've given us this, this vision to be a unique expression of the kingdom here in this world. May we always live by these values and these principles that we've talked about today. May we always be a radically inclusive community. May we always be open to truth wherever it may be found. May we always recognize that there are no hierarchies here. We're all students, all on an equal plane. And may we never forget that all of this begins and ends with love, and so we will center ourselves there as we live together in community in this way, continue to bring more people. It was Jesus who said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are so many people there, wounded by church, wounded by religion, wounded by Christianity, who don't know where to go, sheep without a shepherd. And we know that you're with them, and they don't have to be here to find you, but we just want them to know that this is available. And so continue to increase this tribe, God, for your sake, for your glory, and for the sake of the healing of the world. We're so grateful, we're so grateful for the treasure that Heartway is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, that was fun. I'm glad we got to talk, and I hope you know you are deeply loved. Now, we're going to do this outreach event on Saturday, so 10 a.m., I hope to see as many of you as possible here. We're going to go out to Fort Lauderdale, feed and love on the homeless, and then we'll see you here on Sunday again. Love you guys. Have a great rest of the week.